Welcome to the Fast Lane. Nick Miles is our auto expert. So drop it into gear. You've got a green flag. Here's Nick. Yeah, a multi-million dollar move. We've moved across town, Jeff. I know, it's so exciting, isn't it? <laughs> We're in a new Hour Auto Expert studio. Welcome to the show this week. It's uh, your car, truck, and SUV, two hours. Probably anything with a throttle for the next two hours. And uh, we have moved to a new facility across town, um, and we've added a bunch of uh, radio station markets. Still on in uh, Portland and Seattle. Um, but we have added, tell us who we've added, Jen. We've actually added Chicago, Illinois. Whoop, Chicago, Las, home of the hot dog. <laughs> Las Vegas, Okay. Nevada. What, what, I had a great saying about Las Vegas the other day. What happens in Vegas is now five years old. <laughs> I thought that was the best one I've ever heard. All right, who else have we added? Richmond, Virginia. All right, hello, Richmond. And Paducah. Kentucky. Excellent. So we added uh, four more stations this week. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, our auto expert, of course, if you're not familiar with the show and you're in those markets, uh, you know, join us. We have great social media. We have great radio shows. We have great TV. Um, we talk about anything with a throttle, and that's basically it. Help you buy a new car, understand what's happening in the market, also understand what's happening in the future, the past, and new technologies. Also giving you an overview of all the models hitting showrooms in the next uh, year or two. We'll tap into some of the best guests. Just to give you a teaser today, we're going to have the guy who is a big part of the new 2020 Corvette is going to be joining us on today's show. Uh, he's going to be talking about that, and we're going to find out all the details. We're going to find out about what's going on with Buick from the head of PR from Buick. We're going to talk a little bit about what I've been doing over the last few weeks. We'll have one of our autoexpert.com experts join us. He also writes for MSN Autos, Perry Stern, talking about the new uh, Subaru Outback. And then we'll hear from Anton Wallman, who he is kind of our nutty professor. You'll get to know Anton really hey, well if you just what? don't forget Ford. Oh, yeah. We're going to find out about the new electric F-150. That's right. Oh, there's so much in the show. I know. When Are we going to get to talk about ourselves? You get to talk right now. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> thank you for that, Jen. So uh, if you're not familiar with the show, nationally uh, uh, celebrated, locally created, uh, give you all of the latest automotive infotainment, uh, you can check out the show. Past shows are all either on iTunes, Spotify, Alexa, or Podbean. You can listen to, uh, just go to the radio station website, go to Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. You can uh, listen to the previous shows there. And five or six years worth of shows. Uh, you can also follow us on social media Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, our auto expert. And you can hear, see, touch, feel, and even taste some of the cool things that we've got to do. Um, I, I've had a fun week. I got to go to Washington, D.C., one of my favorites. Uh, that's because your son lives there. That's true. And I also got to go to um, Nashville. How was that? Nashville's really interesting, it's sticky. If you uh, if you like air conditioning inside your new car, you'd love Nashville yeah. because you want to be inside your new car. It's sticky. It's thick. Temperatures in the morning is like breathing soup. But it's a beautiful city. It's uh, awesome. Great driving roads. Uh, had a good time with a new Audi Q3. Got to experience that. Um, this is a car with, a, well, we'll talk more about it later in the show, but it's a car with, let's say, depth. It's a car with purpose. It's made for those people who are changing, who are crafting, who are building um, this is for the young chef, the young entrepreneur, the young artist, and the tech on the inside, pretty flawless. 
I mean, they have done... I mean, Audi's really good with tech on the inside of their cars. So uh, we'll talk about that in the show. So that's a preview of what's coming up on the show. If you're not familiar with Jen and I, um, you you can see me usually on your local Fox TV station. I do morning shows. You'll see me on WGN in Chicago, Las Vegas. You'll you'll see me on TV. You'll see me on Portland, uh, Fox 12, Oregon. Um, I do the car segments. And uh, a little bit of anchoring, too, depending on what market it's in. Uh, I'll do all. I'll bring cool cars to the station. We'll talk about them. Uh, if you watch Fox Sports, you'll see me there. Uh, you'll listen to me. Uh, we get we reach about 2 million Americans every day with automotive news. And, and we're talking to the, the heads of the, the presidents, the heads of PR. We have them on our show regularly. Uh, if you don't know much about Jen, um, she is as rough and tough as they come. She owns <laughs> trucks that are taller than, I think, the studio here, actually. <laughs> uh, we, she has big trucks. Uh, she likes to get grease under her fingernails. She's a get-it-done get kind of gal, um, and she'll always fight. Uh, she, you, you're probably more americana than most americans really uh, yeah oh, thank you're you. all about chevy yes. and your your uh, camaro and yes you're about your chevy trucks and racing and, and racing yes. what else are you about wrestling no, no. <laughs> uh, i love football <laughs> yeah so you're a very very what i'd like to call a very typical american Thank you. So, yeah, welcome to the show. Welcome to Our Auto Expert. And if you want to find out more about the show and find out more about us, OurAutoExpert.com. There is a bios page there that has all of our team on it. You can go read about them. And we're also uh, we're also going to be open for questions, too, if you want to call the studio and ask us questions. We're really good at that. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll answer your questions. Maybe a little delayed, depending on uh, how much. You know, might have to go research some stuff. Uh, and we also, I'm not going to take any like soft punches. We're about hard punches. We want to know the truth, and we want to give you the answers to everything that uh, that we're doing. So uh, that's what's coming up on today's show. What are you looking forward to most, Jen? The 2020 Corvette, of course. <laughs> See, I could have totally predicted that. I know, right? You're a Corvette girl through and through, aren't you? I am. Mid- I am. Mid-engine. Excited about that? It's about time. It's very European to put a mid-engine. But it's been a long time since they had a mid-engine. Did they have, they had one before? Yeah, I believe so. Oh, Way back, back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're talking about the 1980s? Oh, back further. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So we'll be finding out about that. I'm kind of intrigued because if you have any social media in your life, you will have seen lots and lots of posts pop up about this vehicle. It's uh, everybody's been posting about it, uh, the the release, the pictures, the information, some of the basic information that came out. Uh, if you're looking for a car to haul the whole family, this is not it. No, not at all. <laughs> this is a car to haul you and your golf clubs. And can you get golf clubs in it? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a step up. Um, they, they you know they've had lots of try- testing. I've seen journalists post pictures of seeing them accidentally on the road. So as people are testing them. Uh, all camoed up so finally the final car is here it's got such a unique look too i can't wait to talk about it yeah i uh all right don't get me started about the look (laughs) i feel there's a lot of accurate nsx in that car um i believe the sides definitely look like that yeah that's the the consensus of the opinion accurate nsx is the sides but not the the front no no I think it, it's got that La Ferrari kind of look to it. Yeah, I see. I've heard, that's not the first time I've heard that. Yeah. So. 
All right, so we got we got an awful lot coming up in the show. Please uh, do send us messages on social media. You can check it out, ourautoexpert.com, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We'll, we posted a picture of you and I on Instagram. It did. How many did we take, by the way? Okay, so um, probably 30. Okay, 30 pictures. Yeah. That's all coming up in today's show. <laughs> Stand by. Keep listening. More of Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles is coming up. Jump right in and put the pedal to the floor. Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles continues. If you've been living in a cave for the last few weeks, you would not have seen the fact that there is a new 2020 Chevy Corvette mid-engine. Uh, it's the Stingray, and uh, it, this this is probably getting most attention out of people today. Uh, joining us on the phone, Shad Bolch from uh, Chevrolet to talk about this. Shad's a friend of the show. Uh, we have Shad on quite regularly. So tell me, my friend, uh, this has probably consumed the automotive industry over the last few months. Uh, everybody's been speculating about it. Everyone's been asking about it. And finally, it's actually appeared. Oh, do we have Shad? Do we lose Shad? Are you there, Shad? All right, they're working on this in the control room now. Uh, let me tell you what I know about it. Under uh, three seconds, is, uh, it's going to do zero to 60 at top speeds. Uh, zero to 60 miles an hour, of course, is how we measure most of our uh, great vehicles. Uh, you know, mid-engine for the first time. Uh, this also, uh, Jen was happy to point out that it has 12.6 cubic feet of uh, cargo volume, which I have to tell you I'm extremely excited about. Um, let's see if we get Shad back. Shad, are you, are you with us? No, no, we'll keep working on it. Uh, enhanced Corvette uh, traditional utilities. Uh, it's strengthened with dual trunks, uh, a total of 12.6 cubic feet volume. Ideal for a golf club set. Yes. Jen. Yes. Uh, what about racing? I would say ideal for a helmet. <laughs> or you know you could you could drive it on and off the track uh, low profile headlamps and uh, it also you said jen when you look at the side you see nsx i do i think it's a pretty unique uh, conversion of the vehicle um it's pretty unique it takes a lot of what you would hope a supercar looks like and brings it together um but it also I think gives it something new. Everyone likes to compare supercars to everything. Mm -hmm. I've never seen a single Chevrolet vehicle that looks like anything else. Mm -mm. And they always have their very own like look and feel to them. Uh, the reveal last week in California got so much attention. I know a friend of mine was there, got to videotape it, has hundreds and hundreds of thousands of views already. Uh, I think like 600,000 views on the video just from uh, watching it launched. They've been testing this uh, up and down the country, and we've seen spy shots of this vehicle being tested for the last few weeks. So hopefully we have Shad. Chad, did, you man did we manage to get you? Hey, guys, I can hear you now. Nope, they're still working on it. Um, the, one, the one thing that's got to be hard for Chevrolet is to design a vehicle that looks like a Corvette to get the Chevy lovers. You know what I mean? It, this one is a little bit different. It's a little bit longer, looks a little roomier. See, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you. Really? I would tell you that um, 
I think people will come to the brand whatever because the brand isn't so much about looks. I mean, you could say Camaro, but Camaro's changed over the last few years. But they kept but the same. They did, but I think that actually that hurts them rather than helps them. I think that the brand has always been adventurous. It's always been able to uh, find new roads and mm. go places, which is their hashtag, by the way, if you didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, find new roads. It's always been able to go places that no other vehicle has been able to. So the new Corvette really has to break into new grounds for them. And I think they've never been frightened of doing that. But it's not, a, I, for me, I don't, I'm not into Chevys because of the look. For me, I'm into Chevys because of the performance, for the drive. You know, this is a, a General Motors in general has an, a massively ethical, um, a really ethical uh, stance as far as a TV, uh, sorry, sorry, as far as a car company is concerned. So they've been very ethical about that, and they've always done a whole bunch of stuff to make sure that they do great performance. Oh, we finally got Shad. All right, Shad, sorry about that. Technical difficulties. No problem. First show at a new. Can you hear me guys? Yeah, yeah, we can hear you. First, first show at, in our new studios. Uh, it's in ten million dollars worth of uh, of new upgrades. We had to learn how to use everything. Uh, so you've you've sort of consumed the car world, Shad, for the last uh, week or so with this new vehicle. Has the reception been exactly as you expected? Boy, I'll say. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's better than expected. Um, you know, everybody knew that this was coming. We had a lot of photos out for during development work, and it's pretty obvious when you do such a drastic change of putting the engine from, moving the engine from the front to behind the driver, you can tell what's coming. But... When we finally pulled the, the cloth off and everybody's able to see it up close, my goodness, the response has been spectacular. I think better than anybody had, had anticipated or expected. One of the most spy-shotted vehicles, I would say, my friend, uh, for, for a long time. Uh, I've seen uh, leakage, I would call them, photos uh, for months. of Every time you guys took it out anywhere on a public road and tested it, there were photos of it. It was almost like a, a slew of paparazzi following you guys around to try and see if they could get it. So the final vehicle arrived. What can you tell us? What is public information so far? So uh, it is a mid-engine design, obviously. Uh, it's completely redone from the ground up. And, I mean, you have to go to that, that extreme when you do something as drastic as move the engine from the front to the back. But, you know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, people, there's a lot of, of consternation and debate about whether or not this, this reconfiguration was going to remain true to Corvette. And, you know, our Corvette ex customers expect performance and they expect the best and they expect it to be something that's attainable. And, frankly, you know, our engineers were, were telling us that we got as much performance as we can out of the front-engine Corvettes. I mean, the ZR1 the current C7 ZR1, 750 horsepower, 750 pound-feet of torque. It holds records at all the major tracks. So we needed to make this sort of a change in order to take the Corvette to the next performance level. And that's what we've done. I mean, I'm a big fan of the fact that uh, Chevrolet tends to break the rules a lot of times and do things differently. I don't like it when car companies keep throwing out the same thing and the same thing. Oh, we can't do this. We can't touch that. I mean, I, my complaint about a lot of the performance German vehicles is I can't tell year from year because they're so the same. Oh, wait a second. Yeah. We, we moved the headlights two inches to the left. Mm. Well, okay. All right. I'll hold my breath. I'm paying an extra three grand for that. So you guys are, are you well known for breaking a lot of the rules. Um, and this is probably, you probably took the rule book, you burnt it, you shredded it, you put it in a, tr a, a, a trash bag, and you started again, basically. Yeah, that's exactly right. Except for we've, you know, we've, we've 
maintained our promise to the customer. And so this car is, it drives better than any Corvette we've ever built. It has a faster zero to 60 time than any entry level Corvette ever with this new 6.2 liter motor in it. It's, it does everything that the customer expects the next Corvette to do. And uh, the fact that it does have the engine in the back is testament to the lengths that we will go to, to maintain that promise. But the best part about the Corvette, and this is, I think the part that gives, Oh, the alibi for the current, you know, Corvette enthusiasts to stick with us is the price point. Corvette has always been about a performance car that is attainable. And as at the announcement, I know you guys know this, that we priced the entry level Corvette at under $60,000 for a supercar. And that is, that's the marvel about this whole, this whole project is that you get this brand new mid engine supercar at under $60,000. So that, uh, Let's just talk about that. Is that going to be a tough one? Is that going to be difficult for for people to attain a, a real high performance version for that price, or are we looking at the super expensive uh, versions of the well, vehicle? No, I mean we're talking about you know the the, the base car, the, ba- the Stingray, uh, under sixty thousand, and it is the one that has the zero to sixty under three seconds. I mean it has this, all the bits, all the performance bits. You can certainly option it up. There's a, a Z fifty one package that we announced will come out simultaneous to the Stingray. Um, but it gets the new motor. I mean, the base car has a new dry sump system that holds an extra seven quarts of oil to, to maintain performance on the track. There's no compromise. You get a supercar in the same way that you were able to get a supercar with the C7. The C8, this generation, is also equally attainable at that price point. Awesome. Shad, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, coming up, uh, just go to our auto eggs, by the way, if you want to read more, or Chevrolet.com. We'll have Shad back on the show. He's a good friend of the show, and we love to have him on regularly. Coming up, more good stuff. Stay tuned. Our auto expert. Stay tuned. There's more to come with Nick Miles. Jump right in and put the pedal to the floor. Our auto expert with Nick Miles continues. So there you are. There's a there's a brief intro to the brand new 2020 uh, Corvette. Uh, we will have more on that. Maybe one day we'll actually get to have one in the studio. Um, so, Jen, are you buying one? <laughs> if I yeah, <laughs> if I could, yes, I would. You'd have to sell your two trucks and your Camaro. Yeah, I'm not getting rid of that Camaro. Sorry. Really? Maybe it's the two a classic trucks now. Yeah, almost, almost. How old is it? It's a 99. A 99? Yeah. Well, I don't think 99 is classic. Well, it's getting there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Interestingly enough, I just came from uh, two events. One was another General Motors event, which is the Cadillac XT6. It's their third row full-size SUV, slightly smaller than the Escalade. But they're introducing this. It's not inexpensive, by the way. If you're thinking about buying a new SUV, the new Cadillac XT6 is around, it does start... Uh, reasonably, but it does go to around $70,000, the ones that we were driving. Uh, Here's one of the things that a lot of car companies are doing now with third rows. It used to be third rows were the most miserable, sad thing to have in a vehicle because you basically had to sit with your legs crisscross applesauce on the back seat. You couldn't actually get anywhere. A lot of the new SUVs that are coming out, the Kia Telluride, uh, the Hyundai Palisade, which are non-luxury versions of vehicles, or things like the Cadillac XT6, have huge legroom in the back and they're putting a lot of amenities in the back so those third row passengers were always the miserable people in that very far back row seat they actually never had any amenities they couldn't see the the uh, the 
DVD player or the streaming screen. They couldn't use anything to charge their vehicles with. There was nowhere to put their drinks or cups. Uh, so all of those things, including heated and cooled seats in the third row, are something that's actually now occurring. So uh, your kids, your third row kids are not third row classic citizens. Uh, I always used to call them quite lovingly third row vehicles, the pub row, because the only <laughs> only reason that you wanted to use them was to ride uh, front to and from the pub in those third row seats. So no longer are they that tight and that uncomfortable as well. Well, the third uh, row is mainly used for pets. Do you think so? It used to be, I believe, yeah, because the kids you, always wait, go in the second. Just, I mean, just check something. Okay, are you up. calling people the kids pets? <laughs> see, see, here's the deal, and everybody can understand this. So you get to write. There is more than two children. Two kids in the family, even two kids is not great with two rows. Correct. But when you get to ride, with, when you have three kids or more, carpooling to school in the morning, to church on a Sunday, wherever you might need to be going, when you have those people, you actually get an extra row and so you can fit more people in, seven, eight passengers, depending on the configuration, whether you have a, a second row or a third row seat, depending on that. But, but... <laughs> When kids don't like to touch each other, sit near <laughs> each other, they don't like to have their space, uh, there are, there is an extra row. That's the good part. I wish they had that when I was a kid. Why? Because my sister was the one who would like to touch me and drive me nuts. Oh. So, yeah. so You get on so well now. Uh-huh. We do. You, you are friends. Of course. You didn't like each other as kids. We're adults you? now. You didn't like each other as kids? Um, well... Anyways, that's, another, <laughs> that's a topic for another day. Third row. So the Cadillac XT6 has got a third row. Uh, I will tell you, it's it's a true Cadillac. It's got plenty of space, handles well on the road. I really like the interior interface. It's not as Cadillac-y as some of the previous ones. I just hope they'd add Super Cruise. Also test driving the Q3, which is Audi's new baby SUV. Wait a minute. I love the fascia on the new 2020 Cadillac. Oh, the Q3? Oh, the Cadillac. No, yes, oh, the yeah. Cadillac. Yeah, they've it's, sort of updated that front end. It looks really good. It's got a lot better. And then the Cadillacs, uh, then the Audi Q3. Whoa, boy. Audi have sort of always been sedate and fairly the same in their vehicles. The new grill on the Q3, bam, slap me in the face. Uh, <laughs> that thing has really got, it's got lots of curves in it. They've done a really good job with that. Plus, it drives really well. Actually, the, uh, the, the a lot of tire noise in the inside would be my only thing. But the interior... Um, configuration with the screen it looks like a spaceship it has google earth and uh, there's two things that really i really love first of all uh audi has this little phone pocket where you put your phone it uses the antenna to boost the phone signal so if you have a bad phone signal and then cadillac have a really really cool system in their nfc uh, near field communications to pair your phone when you get in the car you just tap it at this point on the dash and it pairs it nice it's amazing there's no finding menus there's no going through stuff i'm a techie at heart i love really cool tech stuff uh, and so those things get me very excited what's coming up on the show we're going to talk to uh, linda zhang about the brand new ford f-150 electric should trucks be electric is that something that we need in america or is it the next phase of electric vehicles we'll find out all about that plus we're going to be talking to perry stern from msn autos and from ourautoexpert.com he drove the new subaru we'll find out all about that the show continues check us out at ourautoexpert.com facebook twitter or instagram
Stay tuned. There's more to come with Nick Miles. Our auto expert continues. Here's your host, Nick Miles. Welcome back to the show. Don't forget, you can follow us as 2 million Americans do every single day. OurAutoExpert.com. That's where you get all your latest car, truck, and SUV news. Or follow us on all your social media platforms. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, and the Instagrams. Our Auto Expert, you get the latest news. And uh, if you want to listen to previous shows, all of our previous shows are available at OurAutoExpert.com. Or you can go to iTunes, Spotify, Alexa, or Podbean. Uh, to listen to the shows or uh, the radio station website. They also carry it too. That's because we're amazing. Or Jen's amazing because you do 90% of the work. If you've been looking (laughs) and thinking about electric vehicles but find them small, tinny, unexciting, and a little too uh, petite for your current needs, that all may be changing soon uh, because there are some new vehicles afoot that could be fun and exciting. Uh, joining us on the phone is uh, Linda Zhang. Linda is uh, from Ford and has been uh, helping develop the new electric F-150. Uh, are you in charge of everything, Linda? Are you the one that's uh, making all this happen? Hi. Um, yeah, I am working on the all-electric F-150, so... Um very excited about it. We recently did some prototype testing where we uh, were able to tow over 1 million pounds um, with our electric prototype. And we were trying to show the benefits of the instant torque from the electric motor and to show that this vehicle, um, an all-electric vehicle, can be tough, just like all of our other trucks, um, and that we're thinking about the customer uh, in, in, in terms of making sure that we get power and capability that they would expect from built for tests. There is a lot of weight on your shoulders because, of course, the Ford F-150 is the best-selling truck in North America, selling close to uh, a million of those every year. And now coming out with an electric version, did you have a big set of rules of things that you had to do with this vehicle that Ford wanted to make sure that you hit uh, hit all of the nails on the head before you started uh, developing it? Oh, definitely. Um, we definitely want to keep the customer in front of us and make sure that we provide them with that power of choice that they expect today with the lineup of F-Series, just like you mentioned. We have such a broad customer base, and this just adds another choice for them in terms of being able to select something that will will be fun to drive, but also um, very tough and very capable, as they would expect from Built for Tough. But giving them that capability and some of the features, that's really possible through electrification. So I saw some of the pictures from the test that you did. Uh, tell us a little bit about that, uh, the sort of the big public test that you did, uh, towing 10 double-decker rail cars. It almost seems impossible to do, but you managed to do it with the uh, test vehicle that you had. Yeah, it was super exciting. I was uh, fortunate to be the driver um, in that case, and... Um, it was uh, it was a great feel because um, I could definitely feel the weight behind me in terms of the ten double decker freight trains, and then we also loaded forty two F one fifties inside the freight cars, which got it to nearly one point three million pounds, and we towed that for well over a thousand feet, and um, it was exhilarating for me. Um, I could feel the weight behind me, but at the same time, because of the electric motor, because of that instant torque, it was smooth and it was effortless. And um, (laughs) 
it, it was it was a lot of fun for me because I felt like a, a superhero being able to tow all that weight behind me. So I have a question for you, Linda. Since um, you're the all-electric chief engineer, um, what was the biggest challenge that you guys had developing this F-150? Well, I think a lot of it is balancing some of the uh, uh, some of the attributes for the vehicle to make sure that we can make it very tough, very capable, very powerful, and make sure that we meet those customers' meet customers' needs, and at the same time um, provide some of that awareness for our customer now that this truck is um, coming and that it is going to be tough. Because I think a lot of folks don't think that about electric vehicles it's not viewed as tough and powerful and i think what we're trying to do here is show the show in in a very extreme demonstration actually that it is capable and that it is tough and that it is going to meet our customer our our truck customers needs in terms of being able to get them that power and capability that um they would expect from from our f-150 trucks so let's let's look at this what can you tell us about the truck so we know you're testing it we know you said it's coming eventually do we know when we might be seeing it do we know how long until it's developed and uh, do we know anything about the truck or can you tell us anything about the truck like uh, how far it will go on a single charge or anything like that in the future or is that still under wraps a lot of that still is under development. In terms of timing, um, the all-electric will arrive in a few years. And I'm not sure if um, a lot of the listeners know, but we actually have an, uh, an all-new hybrid F-150 coming next year as well. So we'll have more information on both of those vehicles as it, become, uh, as it comes closer to launch um, in terms of specs, range, power, all that. But um, one, one of the things that we were trying to just um, make awareness for, for everyone is that we are working on it. Ford is very serious um, and very committed to electrification um, as we've invested over $11.5 billion to electrify some of our most iconic vehicles um, and adding that capability of electrification um, and in this case, with the F-150, we'll have hybrid next year, and we'll have the all-electric coming in a few years. All right, let's talk a little bit about that investment, uh, because that's a lot of money to invest into electric. So is that just for the F-150, or is that uh, for Ford vehicles across the line? It, it's for Ford vehicles across the line. So we've... Um, We've, um, uh, you know, mentioned the hybrid. We've also got the all-electric coming for the F-150. There's also a Mustang-inspired that's coming, as well as our investment in Rivian. So those are some of the ones that we've um, um, we've uh, released and teams working on um, other ones as well. And now with the investment in Rivian, and for those people that aren't familiar with Rivian, they've been showing off some trucks uh, at auto shows. They had an unveiling. They have an all-electric truck and an SUV, which is the SUVs based on the truck platform. And they've been talking about that. But Ford bought a bunch of shares in Rivian or invested in Rivian uh, to be part of that. Is that something that you're working with Rivian alongside, or did you make the investment in Rivian so you own some of what the result was, or is it sort of a co-development? Development. So the all-electric F-150 has been under development for some time by, by Ford alone, and we'll, we'll continue that as planned. What we're working on, uh, what we are working on with Rivian is really around the skateboard platform that they have, and that'll serve as a basis for an all-new vehicle that we'll, we'll co-work on together. But the F-150, this all-electric F-150 that we showed in our video, um, 
was um, solely for development. All right. And I, I was lucky enough to be at an event called Further with Ford, uh, which happened uh, about a year ago or so, within a year, uh, in which you gave us an insight into some of the vehicles that will be coming. And a lot of that we weren't allowed to talk about. We're not allowed to talk about. But one of the things was the Mustang-inspired SUV that you uh, are developing. And that's pretty close, isn't it? Because I think uh, even then, a year ago, um, it looked to me pretty close to being uh, ready, uh, even though a lot of the uh, exterior wasn't quite finished the way you wanted. But uh, it shouldn't be long now before we see that arriving at an auto show near us, right? Uh, definitely, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, am I backing you into a corner making you answer Forbidden. questions you've been Forbidden. told not to talk to me about? We can't comment on future product. Uh, <laughs> Linda, tell us a little bit about go. tell us tell us a little bit about you because um, obviously you're a lady. Obviously, you're a chief engineer of the Ford F-150. That's quite uh, quite a, a mark in career. I mean, we don't often see uh, women being chief engineers of programs. It's more familiar now than it has been in the past. But on top of that, you're a chief engineer of an all-electric product so where did you come from and, and what road did you take to become the chief engineer of the all-electric new f-150 i've actually been with ford my entire career i came straight from college university of michigan into ford and it's been a great company i've um, been able to see so many different things within the company going through uh, manufacturing i started in manufacturing and then um, ford was um, able to send me back to uh, get a master's program as well as an MBA. So through that, I was able to go into product development as well as uh, finance and corporate strategy. And then um, prior to this role, I was uh, working on the all-new Explorer that's just coming out now. And then um, um, since then, I've been on F-150 for the today's product as well as this all-electric. So it's been a really exciting journey. And uh, Ford's a great company to work for. And I, I think with their help, I've been able to develop into um, taking on this role. And uh, I'm so honored to be able to take it because it is um, a very, very uh, big product. I know there's a lot of weight on my shoulders, but uh, I have a great team. And uh, we are trying to get the best product, best capability, best features out there for our customers. And as a team, we want to deliver the best for our customers. So I've heard rumor that you guys are now um, alliancing with Volkswagen in regards to electric vehicle design. Is that correct? Uh, in Europe, we are working on Volkswagen. I don't have much information on it. Personally, I, I haven't worked on any of that. Okay. But uh, more, obviously, more great things to come. Let's touch on Explorer because there's been lots of Explorer news. Obviously, the new Explorer hitting dealerships uh, in in the immediate future. And the new Explorer comes in, uh, you know, three different grades. It has the SD version, then the gasoline version, and also a hybrid version of, of that as well. But Ford's investing uh, in that new factory in Chicago. Uh, there's lots of new jobs been announced there. So the Ex Explorer is is kind of ramping up to exceed expectations as well, isn't it? And this is a vehicle that's always been the number one selling SUV, I think, in, in the United States. Uh, and now it's you're sort of ramping up jobs and you're ramping up production of that vehicle. That must be exciting after being helped, being part of the design team. 
Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, again, that was another product where we really put the customers first and looked at it from what would the customer want. And um, because it was an all-new development, it was uh, we had so much capability to be able to meet the customer needs and use uh, and think of it from a customer uh, user use uh, use uh, oh, customer usage perspective. No, I'm, I, so I actually, we're very excited about the product, and I think it looks beautiful. Yeah, so, no, um, you've done a good job, and especially the third row, too, is quite capable in that vehicle. And I actually will be driving the SD in a couple of weeks at our event at uh, Run to the Sun here in the Northwest and uh, and taking it, uh, hopefully, around the country to show some of my uh, TV colleagues what fun it is. Well, Linda, thanks for joining us. Linda is the chief engineer of the new electric F-150, Linda Zhang. If you want to find out more about that vehicle you can go to ourautoexpert.com and there you can read uh, some of the uh, stuff about that new vehicle you can also find uh, all of the posts that we have made on instagram facebook and twitter under our auto expert account follow us to keep up with the latest news i have an inkling i will tell you that i believe that the new what they call they have been calling it the mach 1 uh, mm -hmm. which is their uh, electric SUV. I've actually seen it. I have a feeling the final one will be introduced at uh, the LA Auto Show coming up in November. Of course, we'll be first with pictures of that. All right, that's what's going on. Join us for the next segment when Perry Stern is going to join us. He is from MSN Autos, and he writes for OurAutoExpert.com. You'll actually see Perry's brand new uh, articles online and find out about the Super Bowl. Stay tuned. More of Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles is on the way. It's Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles. Welcome back to the show. Uh, brand new studio facility. I think we got all the teething problems out in the first hour. $10 million does for you. Finds you a nice view across the city and uh, you get to enjoy a very spacious new studio. If you haven't been following along, you can follow along online, ourautoexpert.com. Uh, also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And joining us on the phone is uh, somebody who we are good friends with because he is the guy that does the righty-righty stuff and I do the talky-talky stuff. Uh, Perry Stern is joining us. Perry, how are you? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Good. So uh, welcome to our new studio. Doesn't it look palacious? Uh, from my view, it looks fantastic. Excellent. Uh, so, Barry, tell everybody a little about yourself because uh, we have um, a five new radio stations joining us today. And if you're not familiar with Perry, uh, tell us tell us where we can read all of Perry's great writings. Uh, so, just a, qu a quick briefing. I've been doing this for I don't know, it seems like forever, thirty years or so. Uh, and most of what I write uh, can be seen on MSN.com. It can also be seen on our autoexpert.com. Excellent. Uh, as well as autoNXP.net, which is my own site. All right, look at and, you. And uh, basically, we cover everything from new cars to uh, some classics to auto shows. Uh, and I think today we're talking about one of the newest hybrids on the market. Yes. So tell us a little bit. Uh, I mean, you've actually been on some Subaru events recently. Uh, the Subaru is sort of knocking it out of the park. One of the things they think they love to tell us constantly is that they've had a billion months of consecutive sales growth. It's not that many. It's not <laughs> yeah, that something many. Something like that. Yes. How many is it? Like ninety months or something of consecutive? It's something close to that, and they've had several years of record sales. I mean, they've. You know, it's, it's funny if you ever see ads for Subarus. It's kind of like they just sell love and puppies. 
it's interesting if you go to a ski hill just to walk up and down the parking lot it's like subaru 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 audi all track subaru 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 then ford explorer it's uh it tends to be all super it's this kind of the skiing outdoor person's car i guess so hybrid would make a lot of sense for them it does and you know in the pacific northwest you know as you mentioned subarus are like every other car uh the funny thing is that priuses seem to be very popular too so now subarus come out with the crosstrek hybrid it's a plug-in hybrid so it's finally a subaru you can actually plug in now the first this is the second generation of that right I believe so, yes. And so, but it's the first time they've ever had a plug-in of any kind for Subaru. Uh, so this is a big deal for Subaru. And this is a very popular model for them. It's based on the Impreza, so it's not a large car. It seats five, uh, four comfortably. It'll seat five, though. Uh, it's got raised ground clearance, though, so it's, I believe, about 8.7 inches, something like that. So it can deal with some decent off-roading. Uh, but this one you plug in, and then you get about 17 miles of electric only. Which uh, is, so you know, you mo- most, most people's commute is under 20 miles one way a day. So if you have somewhere to plug it in, that's probably enough to uh, recharge it and do an electric only trip as well, which is sort of what's necessary. A lot of people dog on the fact, oh, it only does 17 miles on electricity alone. Well, the truth is, you know, on a commute basis, I like vehicles where uh, you have a certain amount of electricity that you can use and then it switches over to gas because I don't like to be limited. If I want to drive, you know, between Portland and Seattle or I want to drive, you know, between Portland and San Francisco or between Vegas and L.A., I want to be able to be able to do that with the gasoline motor. Uh, But at the same time, if I'm just going to the studios and back, I get the opportunity to be on electricity. So it fits into most people's lifestyle, even though mentally they're not sure about it, right? Exactly. I mean, 17 miles does not seem like much, but I drove it uh, for several days, found places to charge it at my destination, and actually put about 65 miles on the car without actually running the gas engine. Uh, Because it's such a small range, it also means the batteries are a little smaller and they charge faster. So you can charge this one at just a regular 110 standard outlet at your house. In about five hours, it's fully charged. So overnight is no problem. You wake up with a full charge. And you know now the charging stations are becoming more and more common. Uh, you can actually do quite a bit of driving without the gas engine ever coming on. The, the sales of this are probably going to be limited because it's not really meant as a mass consumer car. It's sort of meant as more of an experiment, sort of a compliance car. But they're probably limited in the number they can actually make, aren't they? I'm guessing it is, but to some extent, you know, for any consumer that's thinking about buying a Crosstrek, the plug-in hybrid is just an extra bonus. Uh, There's very little that you give up with it. It is a little more expensive, but at least at the moment, there's still a tax credit for it. Uh, The cargo space is a little bit less uh, because they have to have a place for batteries, so you end up losing about five inches of uh, height because the cargo floor is higher. But I put a bunch of groceries in. We put a bunch of suitcases in. It really didn't seem to affect it all that much. Now, a uh, uh, question. So you get the advantage, but you don't get the disadvantage. Question about that. Were the groceries that you put in the back organic? <laughs> I think that's the only thing allowed in a plug-in hybrid. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not sure you could have had anything that was GMO or chemically sprayed. I think that's that's the law. Do you think Subaru... So nothing that said cheese food on it. Right. Do you think that Subaru is going to go a little bit more in this direction, a full electric, another plug-in, another hybrid, or do you think this is sort of a compliance experiment? 
I think it makes sense. In the past, they did a hybrid cross-track, and that was more compliant. Uh, I think, you know, the best way to describe it was the electric motor had just enough power to pull the batteries that had to be there for the electric motor. It really <laughs> made no sense. But this one is a proper hybrid, proper, you know, plug-in, and it's an engine that they use in a lot of different models. And so it would not be a stretch to see this coming in some other vehicles. Uh, they've not made any announcements to that effect, but it wouldn't be a surprise. And I think that's just the way everything's going. I'm pretty much every car company has made some declaration of electrification in the very near future. Do you think that um, the federal government's stance on not fining people for breaking the cafe rules, do you think that's going to slow down the electrification of cars in North America, or do you think we're already on a path that can't be swayed? Um, I think you know most of the product planning for car companies takes five to seven years, so it's not something they can just turn on a dime. I also think that you know while manufacturers or rather rather consumers are not really embracing the electric car, there's still that range anxiety. Uh, there's still not really a good charging uh, infrastructure, but I think people do like saving money, and that's really what it comes down to. So if you can buy a plug-in hybrid and not spend as much on gas, and it's really not costing you all that much in uh, you know in driving or in cost of the car, I think people are going to want them. Because right. uh, it really everything just comes down to the dollar. Perry, if tell you can get something that's going to save you money. People are going to want it. All right. Tell us about uh, the latest article you got up on ourautoexpert.com. Well, actually, what uh, we just posted up uh, is a similar car to this, uh, but a little more powerful. We just drove the Porsche Cayenne e-hybrid. Uh, <laughs> so that's also a plug-in hybrid. All right. Uh, gets about the same electric range, but a little faster. Uh, Perry Stern uh, from the MSN Autos and from OurAutoExpert.com. Thank you. Perry is a great guy, and his writings are phenomenal. Read them at OurAutoExpert.com. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Coming up on the show, we're going to get to talk to Stuart Fowl. He is the guy in charge of the public relations department at Buick. He'll talk about their new flagship. Don't go away. There's more to come with Nick Miles. Our Auto Expert will be right back. It's our auto expert with Nick Miles. Welcome back to the show. Uh, if you have, by any chance, uh, decided you would like to be in the luxury car game and own a premium or luxury car, the opportunity to get out of a family car into a premium car might just be now. Is that right, Stuart Fowl? That is right, Nick. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Stuart is uh, in charge of public relations for the whole world, or just mostly GM and uh, and Buick. Uh, your flagship, the uh, well, the Enclave. Uh, you actually you have some pretty cool cars. I nearly bought uh, the the cross the wagon that you have. Um, I I really really like it, but I've been told I'm not allowed to buy any more cars. Um, so could you please have a chat I, with my spouse about that? Because apparently I, my driveway I, I, is full. It is full. I tried to go there this morning, and it was like, where am I going to park my truck? There's so many cars in his driveway. Some people collect There's stamps. There's always room for a tour at. <laughs> some, some people collect stamps. Some people collect mugs. Trucks. Starbucks, I collect trucks. trucks. I collect cars. Yeah. Just, it's a thing I do. Well, I love the tour act so much. I told one to my own mother, and in fact, I did. You did? You bought one for your mom? I did. She, awesome. she loves it. She, you, she's the coolest mom in town now. I bet she is. You win the, you win the award of uh, coolest son of uh, uh, in Detroit, I think, <laughs> after that. Uh, actually, and, and I think 
they're discounted pretty well right now. I think I I looked to one. I could buy one for like thirty two thousand dollars. It was pretty fully loaded. So that's that's not that do, that doesn't suck. There are some good deals on tour axles. Uh, the, and it's a great vehicle as well. All right, let's let's talk about what we were we were supposed to talk about. So uh, you're you've done some really good stuff with the Enclave. Uh, first of all, this vehicle was the first uh, third row luxury or premium vehicle in the United States. Am I correct in saying that? And it still maintained great sales. Yeah, exactly. It was uh, kind of the first of its kind uh, when the Enclave came in. It was just. Uh, big body on frame SUVs, more off-roading. And with Buick, we really kind of invented the premium on-road crossover, if you will, with the Enclave. Really quiet, comfortable, uh, great practical space inside, um, and and beautiful looks on the outside. So the the first generation always uh, continued to deliver year over year, and uh, now we're into our second generation with the Enclave, uh, year number three with it here. Um, and it's it's a lovely vehicle. Um, if I and if I can talk up the Tour X as a car I'd sell to my own mother, I will talk up the Enclave as one I would sell to my own wife. Right. And, uh, <laughs> or yourself, <laughs> it sounds like too. We're, we're we're a bunch of weirdos. We're a a two Enclave family. This thing is so nice. I love it. Um, uh, I, let me tell you, Stuart. My favorite thing about this vehicle. And it may be the it may be a lame thing to have a favorite because there are so many things like the uh, the camera mirror, one of the first vehicles to have the backup camera mirror. But yeah. uh, my favorite, one of my favorite things about the vehicle is the fact that it's so easy to get into the third row seats because so many times you have to lift, pull, tilt, push, those type of things. Uh, you guys decided that you were going to make it so any five year old could do this, which is perfect for me, by the way. So tell us how the <laughs> how you get into that that third row. <laughs> So, so the thing actually I love about the third row is there's multiple ways you can do it. Um, we have a, a four-year-old at home, and she has a, her own car seat in the second row. And the cool thing about the second row captain's chairs is you can actually fold them forward with a car seat still in place. So the smart side seat allows you to, to jump into the third row, uh, even if there's a car seat there. But then you can also hop in, and, and there's enough space between the two captain's chairs to uh, swing through to the third row without moving any seats at all. So if you're uh, trying to get someone back there real quick, uh, it's really easy, and that doubles as um, a great way to fit full-size adults in the third row. If you have the captain's chairs, you uh, have unlimited leg room. I like that for someone that's only five foot four. By the way, uh, I like unlimited <laughs> legroom as well. We we could easily fit three Nick Miles in there. In uh, the three row. at least. Uh, seven trim levels in this vehicle, which I also like, where you can actually trim it out for exactly how you want it. If you're just joining us, by the way, we're talking to Stuart Fowl about the new Buick Enc- or the Buick Enclave. It's not new, but it is definitely their flagship vehicle that seats seven. Uh, Stuart, a little bit of a tech upgrade uh, for this year. Uh, the new sports touring package yeah you say not new but i think we have some uh, really great reasons if, if people have looked at the enclave before we have some new reasons to uh come into the dealership this year there's the sport touring package uh, as you mentioned that really gives it a beautiful uh, more athletic exterior package uh so 20 inch wheels a black mesh grill and then all the chrome pieces if you're not a big fan of chrome um, I know a lot of people still are, but if you are not a fan of Chrome, the Sport Touring 
package removes the chrome from the outside and makes those pieces body color. Uh, so sport drilling package is great. All trim levels of the Enclave get a new uh, next-generation infotainment system. Uh, the premium and the Avenir models, we just added a new massaging seat because if oh, yeah. this car wasn't comfortable enough, uh, now it has massages. And then we made some additional changes to the uh, top-level Avenir just for, from a color and trim standpoint. An eight-inch digital touchscreen uh, standard on all trim levels. It sure is. It's a great system. Uh, it has uh, cloud capability, so um, just like your smartphone, we're able to upgrade it with new software over the air through the OnStar system, um, which is a, a really cool feature to have. Plus, all new Sirius XM 360L, so Sirius XM's new uh, streaming service through the car. Um, so new entertainment options, uh, great new maps lots to offer and then uh i like the idea that it starts at forty one thousand one hundred ninety five dollars exactly and one of the the things i love about the the way we package it actually uh as not just the the guy trying to sell you a buick but as a, a customer is um like you mentioned the the rear camera mirror so that allows you to uh switch the rear view camera to a, a camera mode so that if your uh, whole family is in the car, you can flip it and you don't have their heads blocking you from your view behind you. We package that together with a 360-degree camera system that uses uh, four cameras to look all around the car. And uh, that package comes standalone. And if you're looking at the $40,000 entry level, it's just a $650 package more to get those really great cameras. And that's the... That's the one thing that when we bought one ourselves, we really wanted to have. I hate kids with big heads. They, it, it's one of my one of my pet peeves. I, I have a list, by the way. I keep a list of those. Uh, I love the rear camera view, by the way. I do love it. And I love enjoying this car. By the way, can you send me a Tourex to drive? I decided I want to try it again and, and look at it because I enjoy that. Uh, you know, I have five dogs. So it's the perfect. It's the, I think it has the biggest oh, it's wagon. Great for dogs. Yeah, the biggest wagon trunk in the back of those. So if you have one in the fleet, uh, maybe we can talk to Shad down in LA and we'll, and send me one. I we'll, think. we'll hook you up. Yeah, I really. Yeah, that thing's so big. It's uh, it has more space than a lot of three row SUVs. I, you know, it has, uh, I think maybe as, maybe some, some of vacation. Maybe some a vacation car. That would that's that's the thing. I take. I promise to vacuum it. By the way, when I bring it back, how can we find out more about the Enclave or any other Buick vehicle, Stuart? Nick, I think I found your problem. It's uh, it's not that you have a full driveway. It's that you need a second driveway at a summer house, and you just keep the two racks. The there you house. go. Again, I'll give you my spouse's phone number when we get off the air, and you can <laughs> <laughs> take care of that. Where can we find out more info? Buick.com. Buick.com, Stuart Fowle, the uh, PR guy from Buick. It's always a great pleasure having you on the show. Let's have Stuart on more, guys. Let's just sign him up for more. Coming up, more our auto expert. We're going to have Anton Warman on the phone talking about electric, Tesla. Oh, we're going to get on our little high horse and knock a few car companies down. Stand by for that. <laughs> more of our auto expert with Nick Miles is on the way. Welcome to the Fast Lane. Our auto expert with Nick Miles continues. Now, if you are uh, not familiar with the show, if you're joining us on one of our sister stations uh, that we've added. By the way, who have we added this week, Jen? 
Go through the list. Okay, Las Vegas, Nevada, <laughs> Chicago, Illinois. Yeah. Uh, Richmond, Virginia, yeah. and Paducah, Kentucky. You had to, uh, <laughs> I have to tell everybody behind the scenes. Oh, sure, had. go ahead. Yeah, they had to go play, uh, play, make sure they didn't butcher Paducah. Yeah. Paducah, I'm sorry about this, Paducah, but they had to go uh, make sure that you had to play it off the internet to get Yeah, to apparently I'm not the only one because it's actually on YouTube. You can go to YouTube and type it in and it'll actually say it for you. See, we yeah. wanted to make sure, Paducah, that we honored you for joining us on Our Auto Expert radio show at OurAutoExpert.com. <laughs> you can uh, follow us. Uh, previous shows are all available online. Uh, Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and Alexa has those. Plus, you can follow us on social media at Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, there you can see everything from Our Auto Expert. If it's the first time listening to the show... Uh, we have this guy on every single week, and he talks to us about uh, what's going on with the latest uh, autonomous electric vehicles, those type of things. So joining us on the phone, he is an independent investor and analyst, uh, Anton Woolman. So Anton, uh, tell us what is like the topic, the discussion of the week this week. I'm going to guess it's around Tesla's Tesla. earning reports. <laughs> Well, they did report second quarter earnings, in other words, losses, and they're certainly good at generating losses. They lost a reported $408 million in the second quarter. That was on top of the $702 million they lost in the first quarter of this year. So uh, those of you good at math will note that $700 million plus $400 million is uh, $1.1 billion, which exceeds the entire loss for calendar year 2018. So in the first half of 2019, they managed so far to lose more money than they lost in all of 2018. And uh, when it came to providing an outlook for the third quarter, uh, Elon Musk said that he aims, he aims, believe it or not, to maybe break even. Uh, I also aim to run a uh, two-minute uh, English mile. That is my aim for this quarter. Uh, I have a high probability, I think, of achieving that goal. There's at least one chance in a million, I think, that it might be achieved. So we have that aim, and Elon Musk has his aim, and God bless us all. Right. So uh, how badly has this changed from what he was predicting a year ago? Are we really off base? Well, he promised first in May of 2018, and then in June, July, August, September, October, November, <laughs> December, all the way through January of this year, he promised that every single quarter going forward, uh, from here to infinity, to Mars and beyond, would all be profitable without exception. And um, he actually managed, believe it or not, to eke out a small profit in each of the third and fourth quarters of last year. Uh, mind you, those were also the same two quarters when Tesla's entire uh, legal and accounting teams resigned from the company. So I'm just wondering what happened there. But uh, uh, after those people left and uh, they took all the air out of that balloon, uh, after that, uh, the losses spiked up again to newly record levels. So we shall see. But uh, I think my money is on probably the company will generate generate yet another loss here for the third quarter it may not be quite as high as 400 million dollars but uh, i think uh, it shall be nevertheless uh, a loss uh how much is that per car anton 
Well, the company delivered in the second quarter a little over 95,000 vehicles. So if you do the math on that, it comes down to a little over $4,200 per car sold in the quarter, uh, which uh, then admittedly was uh, down from where it was in the first quarter when the loss divided by the number of cars they sold were almost $11,000 per car sold. But if you average the two out, which uh, a reasonable person would do, uh, the car, you know, the company tends to average about $7,000 or so per car lost on an ongoing basis. Oh, and so the more cars you sell, the more you lose. Is that how it works? Well, it works that way for them anyway for now, but uh, you know how it goes. The past is not prologue. Prologue is not something else. And, uh, uh, the world tends to repeat itself right until the point when it doesn't. I don't think we can exclude the possibility that Tesla may at some point in the future make money All right. uh, at some point. But uh, I don't think we should just say that automatically because the company has had right. an enormously strong skill at losing money almost every quarter right. since its inception that it will continue to do so forever. But you have to ask yourself, the selling prices keep falling. The company keeps discounting the cars more and more. That a price Housing, uh, yeah. So yet again, and when you do that, it tends not to be a driver for improved profitability. All right, Anton, we'll pick this up the other side of the commercial break when we're going to talk about Ford's reported income. That's coming up on our Auto Expert. More Auto Expert with Nick Miles is on the way. He's Nick Miles, and this is our Auto Expert. Anton Warman, independent investor and analyst, is on the phone. We're just talking about the state of the market. So we talked about Tesla, the fact that they have their results in and doesn't look too fair for them. In fact, there doesn't seem to be much light at the end of the tunnel, Anton. But talking about uh, Ford, their expectations and their results, did they come together and did they have a good results uh, as far as income was concerned? No, they did not. Uh, so Ford basically had a lot of one-time charges relating to restructuring. As you may know, they are closing down shop in a variety of places and in a variety of ways in Europe and some other emerging economies. And that weighed on the results, none of which Wall Street would really care about all that much normally. But the problem here was a bit psychological, and that was that last quarter, three months prior, when Ford reported earnings, what they had to say was actually a bit better than expected, and people took it very well because the expectations then were so low. So I think Wall Street at this stage of the game were just hoping for just something that would surprise at least to some extent uh, for the positive, and there was really nothing there. So even though the results were, when you disregard these special charges, were really just in line with what people had expected, I think the psychological reaction just became a little bit negative, and the stock traded down to a handful of percent. But there was really nothing new in the report. I mean, you could have slept through that thing and not felt that you had really missed anything. Nothing really new was communicated there. So the future for Ford, is it a share that you would invest in to make a little extra money? Their new electric vehicle coming this fall, they seem to have quite a bit on the, the plate. The new Explorer now should be hitting dealerships. Uh, does it look good for Ford or are we still sort of on cruise control? Well, I hate to waffle a little bit here, but I would say that there's a good and a bad going on here with Ford. 
So on the good news front, the expectations are on the whole pretty low for the company. Nobody's really expecting Ford to become a top brand in the automotive industry. But I do think that uh, somewhere between a new F-150 that's coming out in the upcoming year, uh, the new hardcore Bronco, as well as the new softcore Bronco, as well as that new uh, Mustang-inspired crossover SUV that we may see toward the end of this year and which goes into production by next summer, uh, I think those products are going to elevate the brand uh, to where it has not been in a long, long time. So I do see some upside coming from that. On the other hand, the auto industry as a whole is an absolute disaster right now. As you know, overall, industry profitability is horrific. Everybody who does business in China is being taken to the shed in a major, major way. The over capacity of production in terms of any kind of automobile in China means that profitability is extremely elusive at best. So I think that Ford, I think, is going to outperform most of the other automakers in a relative sense, but the auto industry on an absolute matter in terms of just the sheer water level of the industry as a whole is facing some really harsh times for at least the next several quarters, probably the next couple of years. So let's let's talk about uh, how things look as far as buyers are concerned. We're expecting a drop of perhaps 500,000 vehicle sales this year. We'll be somewhere just above 16 million in the United States. Uh, that is a little bit expected uh, from automakers. But there are a lot of reports out now, especially the new J.D. Parent Associate report. Um, and there are new reports that... Uh, take into consideration buyers' feelings towards cars rather than their reliability, uh, what people aspire to own. Is this market going to change slightly? Are SUVs still going to remain on top? What's the outlook for sales for the year uh, against profitability? I actually really think that the only thing that is going to change is any change in uh, consumer confidence uh, what i mean by consumer confidence is the consumer's perception of their own economic health basically what can i afford to do right now in terms of a major expenditure that is going to be the overarching driver this year around we have thought for the last couple of years that the consumer was going to drop off and and, and feel that they could not make this type of expenditure uh you saw that last year however sales basically held up. It was flat, and it was driven largely by these large fleet per, uh, purchases. So can can they once again come in and save the day, or will fleet purchases also be down this year and, and essentially exacerbate a slight weakness in terms of the consumer? I think that the market will uh, soften just a little bit. It won't be quite as bad as, as uh, most have feared or many have feared. Uh, it also won't stay flat. So I think uh, that is the nuanced view that I think is the most realistic at this point. If I have cash, who am I going to invest in for the rest of the year? Well, I do think that uh, the three automakers that are have the least bad exposure in terms of the uh, onerous economic fines that are out there that are uh, threatening to uh, to take down the industry are somewhere between Ford and GM are the two that um, uh, I think are in the best position. Uh, Toyota may also be in a decent position in that regard. So Ford, GM, and Toyota are probably the 
the leading automakers in that regard. And it's difficult, of course, as an American to invest in some of these foreign companies that are uh, where, where simply the mechanics of buying shares in these companies is a bit tougher. For example, Kia, Hyundai, and some of the other foreign automakers. Uh, I think uh, if you want to make it easy on yourself, the, the Detroit Big Three are, are in the least bad position right now and i think of those if i had to pick one right now for the short term i'd say ford uh fca was one of your favorites in the past that they've dropped off the favorites list well they have not really but uh, the uh, problem uh, with them is that they're now going to have to pay these huge fines in europe for uh, carbon dioxide emissions that uh, i think will weigh on them for now i think what FCA has done very well and continues to do very well is just the design and the attractiveness of the product. They, you know, somebody, a wise person once said that it doesn't cost more to design a beautiful car than it costs to design an ugly car. And what FCA has done very well is that with a smaller budget than some of its other peers, they've simply managed to squeeze more lemonade out of the lemons. They have been able to produce better-looking cars that the consumer really wants. I mean, who doesn't want a Jeep Wrangler, for example, or who doesn't want a Ram pickup truck? These are vehicles that are coming out, uh, and then people just love them, and they don't cost any more to develop, design, and test than uh, the other vehicles from the other automakers, and uh, and people seem to not love them quite as much. So I really admire FCA for just doing a good job with a limited budget. I recently read your article on the Cadillac XT6, their third-row SUV, the largest SUV that they've ever brought out, uh, I guess compared to the uh, to their, uh, of course, flagship SUV, but the largest one on the XT uh, platform. Uh, this vehicle is getting either one end of the scale or the other. People love it or they think it's a departure from what a real Cadillac is. What's your take on the XT6? Well, this was a must-have product. Cadillac ought to have had this product years ago. Um, you know, a lot of people can't or won't buy an Escalade simply because they um, uh, they don't need a heavy body on frame car, right? I mean, they don't need to tow. They just need a large three-row SUV, and uh, many of the competitors have done very well in this field. Uh, the problem with a Cadillac XT6 is it seems very richly priced. I mean, we both drove in the last handful of months the Kia Telluride and the, the uh, Hyundai Palisade, and those things come loaded in the high 40s, somewhere between 46 and $50,000, with every single option switched in the option boxes. And looking at the Cadillac uh, CTXT6, and you're, you're well into the mid 60s, if not higher, when you click all the boxes. So I have to ask you really the question you know, are you really willing to pay that much more for a Cadillac, which on paper looks very similar? to the new best Hyundai and Kia models. Uh, I think the Cadillac seems absolutely wonderful overall, but maybe wonderful at uh, 15 grand left. Well, Denoyshin, who was the original head of Cadillac uh, in the move to New York, has always said that you should price things according to how people feel about them. But I actually disagree with that 100%. I think you should price things for what they're worth, and we shouldn't have to pay more than that. Now, the Cadillac XT6 that I drove was an incredible piece of machinery. It was well done. It was well put together. It drove really well. But it was over $70,000. As you said, the Kia Telluride that I drove started at $32,000 fully equipped at 43 which in my high school maths is about $27,000 less and yet 
was as well equipped, drove as well, and had more space. So do you think people are going to manage to, or do you think Cadillac is going to manage to sell any XT6s? Well, I mean, I think they, you know all cars that are produced are sold at some point, and the, the difference between those two statements is spelled discount. I think that these things will be end up being heavily discounted, of course. But really what has happened here, if you think about it, is that Kia and Hyundai have lifted their brands. I mean, you look at the interiors of those vehicles, and while they're not a Bentley or a Rolls-Royce, they certainly can compete with many of the other premium brands. And it's not obvious to me that you're getting a lot more in terms of a plush interior uh, in a Cadillac than you are in these finest, largest, the most terrific Kia and Hyundai models. And therein resides the rub for GM in this regard. And, and I mean, clearly, we've also got the Ford Explorer and its Lincoln sister model, the Aviator, which is coming to the market here in not even, I think, a full month from now. And uh, these are also terrific competitors. They're also, also by the way, priced above where Hyundai and Kia are. But, you know, they may have some other uh, interesting uh, aspects to play on, from a plug-in hybrid to, uh, you know, being a, a rear-wheel drive platform and all of those little goodies. But I think that uh, Cadillac is being very ambitious with its pricing here. And the competition has become so strong that it's really tough to defend another twenty or so thousand dollars for a Cadillac. All right. Well, I look forward to seeing that. I mean, I want to wish them every success, but it was interesting talking to one of the engineers who hadn't even sat inside a Hyundai a Palisade or a Kia Telluride, which are going to end up as direct competition with this vehicle. And I think uh, I suggested that they did and they drove it and they took a look at it. And in the last two minutes we've got left, uh, VW have detailed some of their production of their BEVs, their battery, battery electrics coming up. Uh, we have 60 seconds to so give us a, a picture of that yeah there's a factory in Zwickau Germany where they will make the first six cars based on this inexpensive platform called MEB uh, these six cars will be uh, three of them will be Volkswagens two of them will be Audis and one will uh, be a Seat the production kicks off here uh, late this year November December deliveries will start in uh, May or June of next year and the other models will come on for the end of 2020. And this is Volkswagen's big volume car push. Uh, they will be making a total of 330,000 cars in this factory per year once it's right. fully up and running. That won't happen until the exit 2021. But the ramp starts at the end of this year and will be finished within about 15 to 18 months thereafter. So that's Volkswagen's big push forward. And we're going to see a lot more of these cars in the next handful of months. Anton, tell me where we can read your stuff. SeekingAlpha.com and TheStreet.com. Anton Wallman, independent investor and analyst, joining us on the show. Jen, have you enjoyed your very first show on this new network with all these new radio stations? Yes. You? Uh, you can, uh, round of applause for everyone in the control room. Uh, you can listen to the show on ourautoexpert.com, this show or any of our past shows. You can also go to Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to see the latest pictures, uh, stories. And of course, if you miss the show, iTunes, Spotify, Alexa, Podbean, there you can find uh, copies of the show. We will be back next week with another amazing show. Jen, thank you for putting it together. Thank you for listening. And don't forget, send us messages. We are accessible. We are here. And make sure that you drive safely, because if not, I'm going to give you a ticket. <laughs>